Psalm 52 exposes the foolishness of the mighty man who trusts in himself and his money. According to the superscription, this is a masculine or contemplative song written by David. He wrote it on the occasion of the treachery of Dog the Edomite, as found in 1 Samuel 21-22. In that context, this mighty man is Dog. Dog reported to Saul that Ahimelech, the high priest, had provided food and shelter for David. As a result, Saul ordered the execution of Ahimelech. When his soldiers refused to execute the high priest, Dog stepped in and did the deed. Distraught over the events, David penned this psalm, chiding the treachery of Dog and contrasting the foolish man to the faithful man. Psalm 52, the foolish man versus the faithful man. We're going to begin in verses 1 through 4 with the portrait of the foolish man. Verse 1. Why do you boast in evil, O mighty man? The loving kindness of God endures all day long. Your tongue devises destruction like a sharp razor, O worker of deceit. You love evil more than good, falsehood more than speaking what is right, Selah. You love all words that devour, O deceitful tongue. The portrait of the foolish man. Verse 1 begins with the question, Why do you boast in evil, O mighty man? Now the name mighty man in the Old Testament is applied to a list of people. Giants, such as in Genesis 6 verse 4. Hunters, Genesis 10 verse 9. Prideful warriors, 1 Samuel 2 4. And even the king's bodyguard in 1 Kings 1 8. It denotes a person or an individual of great physical strength and valor. And so this strong, powerful person boasts but not in the God who gave him his strength, but rather in evil. And we see an immediate contrast in the affirmation which implies that the mighty man and his evil will soon pass away. It's only God and those who know his covenant love who last. See, the evil of which the mighty man boasts is vividly described in verses 2 through 4. Notice it says his tongue communicates his thoughts, which devise destruction. The Hebrew word for destruction denotes an evil desire. So his, his tongue is communicating these evil desires that he has come up with. His tongue also cuts like a razor working deceitfully. Remember what James warned in chapter 3 and verse 6, the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. Now behind the work of his evil tongue stands his evil heart. It says you love evil more than good, falsehood more than speaking what is right. See, the mighty man rejected God's goodness. That's God's moral order. He rejected God's righteousness, his covenant relationships. And instead, he loves, he chooses evil, which he hides behind a facade of lying. And you know, when we read this description, we cannot but help think of the mighty men who have strutted across history. They have their armies, they hold their parades, they take their salutes, they wear their uniforms, they have their press releases, and they have all their elaborate schemes for cornering the market and dominating the world. How often, how many times are we shocked by the misbehavior of public figures and their doublespeak? For example, reproductive rights. That's doublespeak. Murdering a baby is not a reproductive right. It's called murder. I don't care what name you slap on it, it is murder. Slapping the term reproductive in front of rights is doublespeak for legitimizing the murder of children. And that's just one example of all this doublespeak of these mighty men. 
But you know, if we're going to judge the world's mighty men, we ought to make, take a look at the possible evil and deception that we may find within our own hearts. We may be just like those mighty men. Maybe we're too afraid to speak the truth. Maybe we're using our tongues like razors. Maybe we're denying or even rationalizing our own sins. We've got to consider that. Is this portrait descriptive of us? Are we the foolish man? Because look in verse 5 through 7. We have the punishment of the foolish man. Verse 5. But God will break you down forever. He will snatch you up and tear you away from your tent and uproot you from the land of the living, say Lao. The righteous will see and fear and will laugh at him, saying, Behold, the man who would not make God his refuge, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and was strong in his evil desire. David turns from the mighty man to the avenging hand of God. Now, in verse 5, when it says, But God, the word God is El, which is the generic Semitic name, which means to be strong. He's the strong one, and the strong one has come to destroy the mighty one, the mighty man. And that word, it break down in the Hebrew means to demolish. God is going to come and totally, eternally demolish these individuals. And this graphic action of God is described in the rest of verse 5. He's going to snatch you up. He's going to seize you. And he's going to tear you away from your tent. He's going to abduct them out of their homes. He's going to uproot them out of the land of the living, just the same way that a plant is uprooted and withers. And in all of these pictures here, we have a very uh, sense of a violent, quick, decisive action by God. His wrath, you see, on the mighty man serves as a warning to those who are righteous, to those who are living in God's covenant relationship. When we see God's judgment, when we see God's action, our response ought to be fear. We should be in awe of what God has done and is doing. And we ought to regard it for ourselves lest that same wrath comes upon us. See, we need to make sure that we're not the foolish man, but rather we're the faithful man. And notice in verse 8 to 9, we have the preservation of the faithful man. But as for me, I'm like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the loving kindness of God forever and ever. I will give you thanks forever because you have done it. And I will wait on your name for it is good in the presence of your godly one. Here's David's confession as a faithful man. He stands with God. He stands with the righteous ones. He says, I'm like a green olive tree in the house of God. Now, an olive tree would grow for hundreds of years, and it yields about six gallons of oil every other year. The metaphor here suggests that David is evergreen and fruitful. And notice he also dwells in God's house, namely he dwelling with God in God's presence. And he's trusting in God's mercy, his covenant love, forever and ever. And because he knows the mercy of God, because he's in the presence of God, because he's with the people of God, David now worships. He says, I'll praise you forever. And that's what happens, friends. See, when we experience God's grace, when we experience God's love, when we experience God's forgiveness, it should lead us into worship. That's why in Romans, based on the mercies of God in Christ, Paul calls upon us to do what? In verse 1 of Romans 12, present our bodies to him as a living sacrifice, which is our spiritual worship. And notice David's praise. His praise is the simply this, you have done it. The text literally reads in Hebrew, you have acted. David worships God for his word, his mercies, and for his work because of what he's done. 
And he does this not just privately, but publicly before God's people, before the saints. And David is looking eagerly. He's waiting on God's name, God's power, God's presence, God's character. He's waiting for that which is good. While the mighty man is destroyed for his evil and deceit, the righteous man lives before God in worship and praise forever and ever. So which are you? Are you a foolish man or are you a faithful man? Answer that question. One will be eternally destroyed while the other will enjoy the presence of God forever. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this psalm, this comparison between the fool and the faithful. And Father, I pray that as we examine ourselves, we will identify ourselves as standing among the faithful. Worshiping you, praising you for what you have said and what you have done. Counting ourselves worthy because you have made us worthy, because you have given us your mercy. That Father God, as we would conduct this examination, should we find anything that is personified by the fool, that, Father, we might confess it and forsake it. We might flee it. And, Father God, I pray that if there's those who are listening, that they've examined themselves and they find themselves the foolish man, that, Father, even now, they might turn to you in repentance and faith. That, Father, rather than being counted amongst those who will be snatched up, torn from their house, and, and taken out of the land of the living, that, rather, Father, they might be those who as they repent of their sin and put their faith and trust in thee, be transformed and be transported from one kingdom to another kingdom. Taken from the kingdom of darkness and put into the kingdom of light. Taken from the kingdom of Satan and put into the kingdom of your dear son. And so, Father, we thank you. Thank you, Father, for the fact that you have preserved the faithful forever. We pray this in your son's precious name. Amen.